Miss Five Six Seven Eight Dances Report Podcast. Miss Five Six Seven Eight Dances Report Podcast. What up, what up, what up, y'all? This is Miss 5678, and you are now tuning into the Dances Report podcast. And I'm kicking with kicking it with the talented IJ. And if you guys don't know her, you haven't seen her, you need to see her because she's an amazing dancer. Uh, she works with Cairo. She works individually. She's an incredible dancer, you guys. So what's up, IJ? Hello, hello. Hi, hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, man, listen, so I'm very excited because this is, um, we have a lot of dancers on the podcast, and we have, you know, we have dancers that are very well versed, um, but we don't have too many females. We need some more females on the podcast, so I'm mm-hmm. excited about having you as uh, a leading female on the podcast, so mm-hmm. kudos to that. Um, before we yeah. kick this off, I do a daily mood check-in because I find okay. that um, people are not checking in with each other or doing a self-check for mental health reasons or, you know, there's a lot of depression out there and there's a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, you know, be that person that checks in with myself and others and, uh, be, you know, rather than just sending a text or seeing you on Instagram or Facebook or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. you know, oh, I, I so appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> like, man. Human so, connection. Exactly. So important, you know, so, so the daily mood check-in looks like this and I'll kick it off. One thing that okay. made you happy, one thing that made you mad, sad, indifferent or bothered. So one thing that made okay. me happy today is that I get to Go and rehearse with one of the artists that I work with from Berkeley, MKX, shout out to him. And one of the incredible dancers that I work with, uh, Kimmy Tremlett, what's up? Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, I don't think anything um, made me mad. Uh, but one thing that did bother me is that I have an electrician come into my apartment because my um, some of my wall sockets don't work, you know. So mm-hmm. that's a little bothering, you know, bothersome, you know. But nothing to hinder my uh, joy. So uh, what was one thing that made you happy and one thing that made you mad, sad, or bothered, or indifferent? Um, one thing that made me happy this morning was that, um, so I have pretty much the morning off until about 11.30 where I go into rehearsal. Ooh. But, um, yeah, so I woke up feeling really, really refreshed, and I had a little time to um Sort of just reflect and like kind of take it. I'm I'm in the middle of a really you know preparing for um, a couple of really big shows with a couple of different uh, area choreographers. So oh. it's really I'm I'm so grateful to have, just have like a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple hours to myself in the morning. Like I woke up at 
<laughs> I usually wake up at like five or six, mm. but today I woke up at, yeah, but today I woke up at eight and, you know, I just kind of stretched a little bit and, you know, <laughs> as pathetically romantic as it sounds like no. I lit a candle, you know? Listen, <laughs> yo, and, no, you're yeah. talking, you're preaching to the choir right now. Cause let me just tell you, it's so important, um, that, you know, we acknowledge, um, self-care, self-love, mm-hmm. um, that time to yourself. And before you get burnt out, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, exactly. There's been yeah, times so. where we all go through that situation where we're going and going and going and we just don't take a time to ourselves, And it almost feels selfish when you're like, I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to be bothered. I don't have time to do all those things. And then you kind of just get caught up in everything and mm-hmm. you know you forget to take care of yourself and you forget to take care of your friends or you know girl this is invest this is invest in your own growth exactly so. <laughs> Liz, this is like day four no eyebrows being done i need to get my eyebrows yeah. done okay but i have a schedule for every hour on the clock so yeah i literally yeah, yeah. you know when the, the free time that i do have to go handle that it's like they're not open yet so I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? Right now I'm looking like, you know, Oscar the Grouch from um, Sesame Street. You know what I'm saying? Hair is cute. Shout out to Will G, my hairstylist. He's dope. Will Getchel. But I mean, mm-hmm. my eyebrows is messing it up. <laughs> so, I'm sure you look amazing that's just me clowning so thank you very much mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. ij who are you like for, for i've seen you in action i've seen you um performing i've seen you in just personality i've danced with you hung out with you mm-hmm. at gigs and um i'm super excited i've gotten gigs um from you know your word and your referrals so i love that and shout out to you and thank you for that you know yeah you're Um, welcome i knew you were perfect for that but for everybody but but like for everybody who needs to know who you are and like wants to know Mm -hmm. more about you who who is Mm -hmm. ij okay so um well i'm you know massachusetts born, raised, um, so when I, you know, came back after college and everything, and um, how I usually describe myself is that I'm an emerging um, Asian-American female-identifying artist, um, hey. and I mean that in, like, in terms of mostly, primarily, of course, is dance, but I'm also um, a graphic designer. I do, like, uh, some sketch work, and I do some, I do a lot of graphic design for, like, other dancers, uh, because I believe that marketing for a lot of dancers is a really difficult thing, especially in terms of like financially, like you don't have the time or the money to pay somebody to, um, you know, design something for you, print something out for you or whatever. But I usually, I offer things (laughs) at like a way lower price. Mm -hmm. So if if any of y'all need anything, hit me up. But um, (laughs) that's kind of like generally what I've been developing into is like a very multifaceted, you know, artist like which we do have specializing yeah um and i've become that way not just like just by things that i've known but i've become a multifaceted artist like out of necessity essentially being like okay like what's my next hustle gonna be like how am i supposed to pay for this like well i can pick up and 
this skill that I learned here and there and stuff. So I'm, I think one of the most important things to know about me is that I'm always learning and keeping up with a new skill, um, whether that be dancing or in graphic design or other types of art or, you know, so I'm oh, always good. moving. Well, <laughs> good. Maybe yeah. we need to band up, honey, and do some things together. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> so, I mean, so... On, on this next question is like geared mm-hmm. to sort of have you talk about um, your background. And that means like mm-hmm. culturally your background and your mm-hmm. dance bio mm-hmm. background. Um, mm-hmm. What are you well versed in? What did you, what do you, what do you, um, what's your background? What's your cultural background and what's your dance background? Okay. So we can start with my cultural background first. I am like pretty, I'm, I'm Chinese. Like I'm 99 point nine 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 and the other like point one is like i don't like literally like maybe i had like a distant relevance in your uh, ancestor in taiwan um so you know like so i we can trace uh, my family um is from hong kong hey. or my parents are from hong kong I, so i'm sorry um but uh my father's side my paternal side is from southern china or this area called the province called uh uh, Guangzhou or mm-hmm. Guangdong and then so that's where all the Cantonese people live <laughs> hey. Hey. and then yeah and then so then my mother's side is a mix of Manchurian which is in northern China mm-hmm. um, and then also in Fujian which is on the coast okay. um, so that's yeah but then um, in terms of like my my parents generation and you know my aunts and uncles like they all grew up in hong kong mm-hmm. um i identify most with hong kong culture and there's a big difference between hong kong being hong kong a hong kong person and being mm-hmm. like a mainland chinese person okay so um you know i've been going back you know back and forth and they my relatives have visited back and forth um my entire life mm-hmm. and um so yeah i grew up as like you know I grew up as a Chinese American, right? uh, specifically within the Hong Kong culture. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and, that, and that, that's there's so many, so many like layers to that. I'm actually really excited because in about one month, yeah, in about a month, I'm actually going back to Hong Kong. Man, you're <laughs> lucky. My good. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. Finally, finally. And, and it's probably going to be hot as you know what. Oh, absolutely. But you know what, Chanel? I welcome that because I'm so sick of, of the, the weather. Cold. Like, Me too. I hate, like, 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 wearing too many clothes. Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm just, uh, like, I'm having to wear two layers of pants and, like, two shirts every day. I, I can't, can't do it. it. You should see me right now. I can't do it either. Yeah. I have on a sweatshirt and two um, pair of sweats. I oh my hate God. the cold. Like, suffocating. Yeah, um, so... Right, but Hong Kong is a you know people forget that Hong Kong is a tropical island. Exactly, is a tropical island, so so it's humid and everything. There's palm trees and stuff, so I could wear my little white little V neck every day. Exactly, yep, white little V neck with yeah. the little short shorts <laughs> or my little jeans. Yeah, short short shorts, okay. shorts, anything like or my high top sneakers with it. Everything. You know. Yep. 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 <laughs> See what well, I the so. way you identify. So for me, my mom is from Antigua, and we you know mm-hmm. we we grew up with caribbean culture and american culture right so mm-hmm. you know my dad that raised me he's my father he's from brooklyn but then you have mm-hmm. my biological father who is cuban and black from massachusetts yeah. and they mm-hmm. identify mm-hmm. you know you know fluently in black you know american uh, african american culture whatever so mm-hmm. so it's really it's really cool to 
to have both of those cultures um, yes. project and to yeah. know who you are and and to know your culture like so, you know I, I you know there's some some amazing things that I've found about found out about um African um, African history or black history that you know that I didn't know otherwise you know I haven't had the opportunity to seek out because I was just mm-hmm. not it, the the resources wasn't wasn't available until I started to want to know that knowledge. I mean, I certainly right, have right. uncles who's you know who are vested in Black history, and you know mm-hmm. I have you know my parents, my mom, my aunts, my grandmothers, sisters, all of them are vested in uh, um, you know Caribbean culture. So I had to. It wasn't until I actually did college that I had to do a project on Antigua. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. oh, so I had to find out really how, who my lineage is and like on that side and, mm-hmm. you know, come to find out my grandfather, my mother's father, he was, um, his, his father was the first Scottish, um, mm-hmm. aerotech. Basically he built mm-hmm. planes and worked on planes in Antigua and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his wife, African American, you know, she's Antiguan, African, you know. And it was just it was just cool to see how they, you know, lived in Antigua because, you know, you know, you know, listen, there's there's I know some Chinese Jamaicans. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. Like there's some <laughs> Chinese I would Jamaicans. Very much like to be one. <laughs> right. Like when you said Taiwan Taiwanese, when I lived mm-hmm. in Germany, one of my boo things, he was Taiwanese and black. Okay. Oh, yeah. There you go. Ablation. <laughs> yeah. He was he was Taiwanese and yeah. black, and his mom was so cool. His father was militant like my father, you know. So, mm-hmm. man, shout shout out to Tori McDade. Hey, <laughs> I think you moved back to Atlanta, but um, yeah. So, in terms of your biggest influence, what was your biggest influence in dance? Uh so I. So basically, like, um, it, I've been trying to investigate that myself because I didn't come from, like, a dancing family, even though, like, my mom and my maternal grandmother, so her mom, like, they were both, they both studied traditional Chinese dance, but they didn't really um, pass that on to me. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, you know, and, you know, they, they, like, put me, my mom put me in dance lessons when I was a kid, and I really wanted to try, um, but I didn't really get serious about it until high school. Um, but it was mostly just, it started out with, interestingly enough, it started out with ballet, which is like total opposite of what I do now. Um, but definitely it was my high school dance teacher. Um, her name was Deborah Stanton Bianca and she was this, I mean, she is like this badass black woman in the South shore of Massachusetts, which if you've ever been there, it's very white. Like that's the area that I grew up in. And she was like one of the only people in that tri Bridgewater area, like Bridgewater, West Bridgewater, East Bridgewater. She like, she was like one of the only successful black women to like, she was the only, you know, like to own a business like that. And she ran a full studio by herself, you know, and hired all these amazing teachers. And she was the first person like that really invested in me as a dancer, you know, and pushed me in terms of technique. Um, I also was very aware at the, you know, in high school, you know, like I grew up being the only Asian person on stage. I grew up being the only Asian person like in my classroom at school. It was, it was just very, very racially homogenous, but I think that she 
didn't she you know like she paid attention to me and she invested in me because she knew that I was special not just because of my skin but she understood what that was like um you know so she understood that being the only person of color on stage was a specific type of baggage and she so she I think she took me under her wing and helped me develop even though um in other settings it was like you know I was like this like tannish fleck in terms of like all this whiteness you know so she she I definitely credit her a lot with um making me want to become a dancer professionally I never ever 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 thought that that was going to happen and I had my doubts throughout high school and in college too but I would always think about her um just because yeah I mean she she was so inspiring and she really invested the time in me I didn't think that I deserved that you know so that, and that's and that's awesome to have. Um, you you always need somebody who pours into you and shows you sort of what exactly um, what exactly you're learning because that's another thing that a lot of the dancers don't they they'll see something and then they'll they'll learn it but they don't really know the backstory they don't understand yeah. the history on it. Mm-hmm. Hold on one mm-hmm. second, real quick. We we gonna yeah. we sure. gonna pause for a second. I just wanna um move this this parte somewhere else hold on yep you so when influence like some of the students that i know of um they are learning currently they're Mm -hmm. learning commercial dance and they're not learning foundation i won't say all Mm -hmm. but some students are are at some of the studios or some taking classes at certain locations or just taking class from instructors and there's no um you know, history being taught or foundation mm-hmm. or technique yep. being mm-hmm. taught. So it's really good to be able to have someone who pours into you and explains what it is that they're actually teaching, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like to add on to that. So currently, um, you know, so I did a little bit of, I started hip hop in high school and then I, you know, went to school and just pretty much like did strictly modern. And then um, I met, McCurson Prevalis. Yes, yeah, which, you know, shout out to Ms. Yeah. McCurson. <laughs> That's my dog. I love him. Yeah, yeah, I know. I love him. He's one of my best friends, and he's become like one of my greatest mentors. And he pretty much like, oh my god, like I took one of his basically the story of like me going back into hip hop, studying and performing it now and doing it professionally, which I never, again, I never thought I would do. My life. My dance life Chanel is like full of just surprises. Like they just keep happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? 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 Like anything, but I I'm I'm taking everything, I'm trying to take everything with gratefulness and grace and mm-hmm. the absolute gratitude. Because these it wouldn't be possible if I wanna learn everything, but it wouldn't be possible for people like Ms. Deb or people like McCurson. So I, I got I went to um one of McCurson's open classes and he was teaching at the dance complex one day. So I showed up and so we started talking and um, you know, he was, he was very, very, very clear that his class was not a contemporary class. He was like, this is not contemporary. Hip hop is rooted in traditional Afro diaspora dance forms. It comes from West Africa, you know, it comes from this specific part of the world. And these are the rhythms. It is not commercial. Like this is not the commercialized. You're not going to learn like choreography. You're going to learn the steps. You're going to learn the rhythm. You're going to learn the technique. And furthermore, like people forget 
and think that hip hop doesn't have a technique, and it absolutely oh, it sure does. does. It, sure it absolutely does. does. You can't get yeah, away with I, certain stuff doing it like you know, however. right? By being flashy or whatever, but that's not. You have to do be able to do the foundation. So, um, ever since then, you know, and then eventually, like yada yada yada, like we became friends, and he asked me to be a part of his company, which is Lakai Dance Theater, and so I had no idea like what I was in for because he was just throwing things at me being like okay now you're gonna learn some house you're gonna learn some foundational hip-hop and I'm gonna need you to train and just like simple things that I thought that I could get like just simple like bouncing and rocking and like keeping the downbeat like that is that was something that was never really taught to me you know and um especially like in terms of like being Asian, being an Asian person in hip hop, like that's kind of a complicated layer too. Because first of all, like I grew up in a culture that does not participate in, you know, hip hop is a so- social dance and it's a part of black culture and it's a part of African culture. Everybody in the circle, in the village, you know, everybody at like the party and like knows those steps, knows those rhythms. Everybody at like a Latin party or like, um, if you're Latina or whatever, like you know salsa, bachata, merengue. But in Chinese parties, when we get together, we like eat and we li- might listen to some music. But there's no really like, in my experience anyway, like we don't have a shared dance. You know, we have dance, but it's very performative. It's very like there's an audience and there's performers and that's it. The audience does not participate in that performance. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, so coming into this, it was definitely very, very different. And I was really humbled and grateful that, you know, McCurson would see potential in me and invest all this. You know, he paid for me to take folklorication to understand, like, certain rhythms that I'd better understand, like, Afro-diasporic music, you know, listening to the drums, responding to drums, responding to music, like, certain moves like might be following one specific drum during a certain time of during the class or or during the cypher or whatever. So, um, yeah. And I think that, I think that especially like as an Asian person, like, so one, like it's not part of my culture. And two, I think that there's a lot of Asians that do hip hop or they do it like they do commercial hip hop, but they don't know foundation. And I think that that's like kind of messed up. (laughs) Um, because you're not essentially like you're partaking in a cultural, like in a sacred cultural practice without learning or giving credit to where it actually came from. Um, so, mm-hmm. and that's, that's you like know, another thing yeah. that um, Stax had talked about as well um, mm-hmm. about <clears throat> being able to um, really, really give credit where the foundation is due. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, yeah, it's and, um, absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. <laughs> we have a lot of dancers out here who don't know who to to credit those, uh, you know, credit. And, you know, they don't know who to credit <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're not yeah. being taught. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. than that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's really one of those things where, you know, you, you really have to sort of, um, you know, know your foundation, know your history. Um, yeah. And you know, it, and it takes it takes you know it takes someone who's actually vesting into your your growth um, and you yourself as an individual to mm-hmm. know, um, right? What was because what, I would have never known that if it wasn't for him, right? You know, like I would never known that. Well, shout out to McCurson because he's always trying to make sure yes. things are correct. Okay? <laughs> shout out, all the shout outs to McCurson. <laughs> what, what's your specialty or what's your technique? 
Um, mostly, so home base for me is uh, contemporary and modern. That is the style that I've in, like, you know, through high school and like when I went to college, I ended up, um, and that's a whole other story about how I <laughs> like, you know, went to school originally to study journalism and only minor in dance and then did a total 180 and disappointing everybody and like it was just like just kidding I'm gonna double major and then at the end of my senior year being like oh by the way that other double major of journalism I'm not doing that anymore I'm dancing (laughs) um so yeah I mean so throughout college and everything like it's just been like modern and contemporary and then but it's interesting now that um my now that oh gosh Sometimes I forget how old I am. I'm, I'm I'm turning 26 this year, but so I've been dancing professionally for this would be my fourth year, um, and so the first year and a half or so I was only doing modern and contemporary projects um, with Kairos Dance Theater originally, and then um, I started working with other choreographers as well. Um, but then now um, my focus, my studies, and my you know investment and training has year is like kind of veering towards like towards hip-hop and towards because of um i also dance for jean apollon oh Um, yeah he's amazing jean apollon expression i know he's amazing shout out to him too because he's just the one of he's like a human hug that man (laughs) um yeah (laughs) so uh so yeah a lot of my focus is kind of shifting towards this like towards afro diasporic movement oh i like that Right. So part of my journey is learning again, like learning the foundation and learning how to pay homage to that foundation and understanding like, you know, the movements and what, how I can, you know, learn from that and everything um, when you, and respect that. When you dance with mm-hmm. Cairo, what's the type of genre mm-hmm. or specialty of dance that you guys do? What's the technique that y'all, that you guys have? Yeah, I mean, it is. So we call it, we do call it like contemporary, but we train in a really specific way. Um, mm-hmm. So Deanna Palekia, who's the director of Kairos Dance Theater, she comes from, you know, she trained under Paula Joseph Jones, who's another choreographer who's now formerly based in New York, but I now I think is in Connecticut mostly. But basically wow. she has all these like really specific techniques in terms of like um, improv structures and, um, you know, like, for example, we have something called, like, we have an exercise that we do all the time called listening, and it's basically, like, learning how to be in tune with the another, your, your partner up with somebody, and you have to really tune into what their body is going to say. Like, right. like pretty much, you have to try to start and stop at, at exactly the same time, like, with no stops and everything. Oh, wow. um, so that's <laughs> one of the techniques that we use. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so the work is very definitely very physically and mentally um invested uh there's a lot of layers to that so that's the kind of technique that we do and then our current project kind of um our current project that we've been working on for the past few uh, couple years is um about the it's called ministry of femme and it's essentially like it's it's about the how the stereotypes of women um have affected like or you know how like media portrays women how that's affected us as a gender um and how that's portrayed us and so one of the biggest elements is that 
the cast of dancers. So we're we're coming in and out of these seven inch stripper heels. <laughs> um, oh my which god! If you look, yeah. If, so if you look at my page, you'll sometimes you'll see videos of me um, throwing myself around um, in them. Because as soon as I mean, the idea is that like you can be a woman, right? You can be a normal ass woman, and you're just standing there on two feet. But as soon as you put on a pair of stilettos or a pair of pleasers or whatever, a pair of heels, you become that thing. You become a stripper. It doesn't matter what you could be, a, you know, the most innocent person in the world. But as soon as someone sees you, they could know nothing about you. But as soon as you put on a pair of heels, you no, become I mean, yeah, an object, that's you true. know, that's true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so th- the work like really invests into how you know, I'm saying that right now in like a couple of sentences, but there's so many layers to that. Okay. So like people assume that you're, you know, a slut or, you know, or that you, that you're willing to do all these things and that you're Mm -hmm. an object for, you know, you're, you're just, you're, that you're a sexual object and, um, that you're there for everyone's entertainment, but they don't know anything about you and they don't know what that kind of relationship or that dynamic does to, you know, what a disservice it does to you as an individual and everyone else around you, not only other women, not just like, you know, across all genders. And it, it, it you know, it screws up men too. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's the work that we've been with, with Kairos, like specifically, that's the kind of the vein that we work in. Um, so. And I, I love, I love how you guys interact and, and you guys utilize the entire room. <clears throat> literally force the the audience to follow wherever you are where some dancers yeah, gotta dance big <laughs> and, and you know what some dancers when they're performing um mm-hmm. they're not in they're not always in sync so you're drawn to mm-hmm. the most um you know the most energized or the most uh the one that's projecting the most um mm-hmm. the, the one that has that it factor whereas when mm-hmm. you guys are dancing together everybody's in sync so you have to watch the direction of the entire uh, group yeah I yeah i'll that. tell her you said that or I'll, I'll ask her to listen to this podcast. yeah because yeah. um that's mm-hmm. what i noticed the most about cairo is that you know you without one there's you can't you can't just look in the left side or the right side you have to look at where the group is going and what it's actually doing and you have to be attentive mm-hmm. there's no there's no room for you to lose attention span mm-hmm. when you guys perform that's the one thing that i could say is that your attention it calls for your attention mm-hmm. and that's oh, yeah. very rare <laughs> thank you very rare some dancers <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that yeah some dancers can't get that you know what i mean mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. they can't yeah. demand the room um mm-hmm. what's what's your favorite part about the business uh in terms of dancing or both like... dancing you know <clears throat> like so for me it's like um the development part Mm-hmm. down to the the i would say the entire part of creative directing so that goes mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Uh, developing the dancer yeah. or developing the artist developing the artist mm-hmm. and the dancer mm-hmm. down to creating what the state the show set looks like and then mm-hmm. staffing dancers and then creating from there what the show what each show is going to mm-hmm. look like the, you know producing is probably mm-hmm. my favorite part of the business i mean the money too but you know <laughs> right. <laughs> so I would know. say that. So I, I mentioned before that um, back when I was in college, I also studied journalism. And so, 
this is a short sidebar, but basically whenever back then when um, people would ask me, hey, IJ, what's your major? And I would say, I'm a double major. I'm studying journalism and, you know, media arts and design. And I also have a second major or my other major is in dance. And they'd kind of like give me the eyebrows and be like, why? (laughs) That's such a weird combination. Why would you ever do that? And like, you know. And so, and then I had a lot, I remember initially I had a lot of trouble uh, answering that question with uh, a lot of clarity, but then I realized that um, throughout my life and what had attracted me to, you know, writing and what had attracted me to dancing is that really they're just forms of communication. You know, they're both forms of storytelling, but it's just different mediums. So in journalism, I was I was a I was a news reporter, so I would report on crime or like campus events, like po- politics or whatever. Um, and so it was just straight facts, and I would interview people, and it was about me being like kind of the vessel to communicate to like the masses, like what was going on. And I really enjoyed that process of piecing an article together and, be, and piecing that narrative together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was such a rewarding, I mean, it was painstaking and, you know, especially as someone that identifies as an introvert, like definitely going up to people and being like, what do you think about this random subject? Like, that's, that's <laughs> very different. Yeah, it was very different. And then for dance, like I got a very, it was a different satisfaction, but it was very, there were a lot of parallels to it. Whereas like, I wasn't necessarily using text or word, or sometimes I would. I sometimes I would use text and words to choreograph or to, you know, um, guide my movement. But mm-hmm. with dance, I was telling a story or some my story or someone else's story, depending on who I was dancing for. Um, I was telling a narrative, but through my body, and that was my pen. You know, that was my keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. So, I think to this day, like, still that's my favorite part of the process is investigating in all these ways, like how I can speak um, by combining, you know, yeah, use my voice and also trying to give other people an opportunity to uh, investigate that within themselves as well and bringing some clarity to that. Because I think that um, a lot of times as artists, we get really cluttered with our process. We're kind of, you know, there's, especially as creative people, we got like a gajillion ideas and they're all probably amazing. <laughs> right. And, but, you know, trying to, um, I try, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a person in the community that also is like supportive of like, okay, like you're having this idea, like, let's just, let me hear you out and just let you talk about it because sometimes literally talking about it, gives it a sense of with someone that is not going to really judge you is like really um, helpful or that's helped me. Um, so I would say, yeah, like narrative and feedback. Um, and then also just like, you know, lately in the past few years um, or the past couple of years, I've been working with uh, Jennifer Lynn, who is also, she is an Asian American woman. Um, she is Korean, um, half Korean and she is half, she's half Korean and half European. Um, and we met each wow. other two years two years ago at an ICA show and like we we kind of have this there there was it was like this thing and everybody I know that every person of color has this moment you know you guys all know what I'm talking about is when you see another person of color or the same blood as you (laughs) in a room you automatically you go to that person or you look at each other and you're like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh you You can identify with where you relate where you relate yeah immediately 
immediately. Immediately. I mean, it's happened with <laughs> cheerleaders. It's happened with. Yep. And, and I'm talking about speaking from my own experience. Like I could be in mm-hmm. a room with just, you know, people. And if I see a dancer, I go to the dancer. If I see a cheerleader, yep. I go to the cheerleader. Oh, you yes, know, if I yes. see somebody who is Caribbean, I'll go to the Caribbean. If I see somebody that, you know, is is like you know, even remotely close to what, you know, it seems like I can relate to, then I'll go to it. Mm-hmm. But you Yeah, know, you're going to go to that. I had a culture shock, you know, at Medford, at Medford High, because when you're in the military and you're a military dependent, you were mm-hmm. sort of, you know, you don't, you're not, you're not focused on uh, cultural uh, d- diversity. You're not focused yeah, on, yeah. you're not taught to mm-hmm. see it. And so you just hang out. My dad's best friend was like, I think he was, no, what's he? No, he, my dad's best friend was this white dude. Man, he, he remind me of Ogilvy, but like a bigger version of him. And, um, yeah. and then, um, or no, Opie from, um, from the Andy Griffith show, whatever his mm-hmm. name is, the little, the little boy, he reminded me of him, but like a, a huge version of him. Right. But his wife was like, Vietnamese you know what I mean and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my you know so my dad was just like very very militant and he was like calm super laid back so we we like we weren't taught to see um any type of like racial divide or or cultural divide or you know even down to creed or down to um Mm -hmm, class mm -hmm. we weren't taught to see that stuff so when we moved back to Boston and I went to Medford High I came into the gym area, which is sort of, I would say, the equivalence to Reggie Lewis Center. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe half of that size is how big their gym was. And, um, oh, my God. <laughs> it's very big. And so mm-hmm. just to see how everybody integrated. They were integrated, but they were segregating themselves. Yeah, yeah. So oh, the absolutely. Haitian dudes yeah, hung out with course, the Haitian dudes. Yeah. And, and uh-huh. the girls, too. The Haitian yeah. girls hung out with the Haitian girls. <laughs> it happens. And then the, so, a- yeah, and then the Asian girls would, would hang out with the Asian dudes. Mm-hmm. And then you, had, um, then you had, let's see, the Italian dudes, they would hang with each other. Italian yeah. girls would hang with each other. And it was just very mm-hmm. weird to see that. I never, I never witnessed that before. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. had people who actually played basketball, and that was... Everybody, whoever you were, yeah. black, white, Spanish, Asian, you all played basketball together. That was who mm-hmm. played that. And they and and you couldn't get a game if you were like a new person and like you didn't know them. They'd be looking at you like, mm-hmm. what? Whose team you going to be on? Because we yeah. play basketball every day and none of them yeah. played basketball. Like maybe two or three of them played basketball on the school team. They just liked mm-hmm. at lunchtime to play basketball with each other and they weren't like super ignorant where they'd be like no you're new we're not hanging with you but they but they Mm -hmm. had their teams established and they always knew that they were going to play basketball every day so it was kind of crazy to watch that and then you had like the cheerleaders could be they could care less about um lunch like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't even want to hang in the lunch the 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 gym for lunch they would rather like walk around or be at the locker or sneak out and go get food like <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah it's just, it's no, just it's a whole nother vibe kind of draw those boundaries yeah it was crazy now, um now on the other hand in germany when we were in high school we all it was like a the get-along gang we was hanging everybody hung you know what i mean like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and if you got in trouble y'all got in trouble together like <laughs> parents was calling the other parents like Where, where's, where's johnny at 
and they'd be like, yeah. well, Chanel was with him. You know what I mean? Like, if you guys was all getting in, Alex was getting in trouble with Chanel. Like, shout out to Alex Medina. <laughs> hey. Um, but we all used to, it, we just never, it was not something that we all went to Spain together. Like, people, mm-hmm. you know, we had, there's a dude who does architecture out of Harvard. And he goes back between, um, his name is Brad. He goes back between, I forgot where else he lives. But he, he lives somewhere, not down south, but like in the Midwest. And he also teaches here, at, I believe at Harvard. I'm not sure. I have to look again. Mm-hmm. And he, like, I went to Spain with him. Him, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. his girlfriend's brother. Like, we all, and all his friends. And my sister and her mm-hmm. friends. Like, we went to Spain together for spring break. And we mm-hmm. were just like one big melting pot. You know what I mean? Right, and, and, yeah. And we listened to Far Side, which is... Old school '90s, y'all that don't know, mm-hmm. um, and, and <laughs> hip hop, and you know we listened to rock music, we listened to everything, and it was just like you didn't see any sort of you didn't you weren't able to identify with what culture that is. Yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Wasn't... So, so right. So going along with that, so basically, like Jennifer and I, like when we met each other, like we started talking, and we were like, wow, there are no. Asian American like contemporary dancers in the city or there's virtually there's like a subtle yeah it's crazy I was just like what the heck like there's like mad Chinese people mad you know Korean people in Boston there's like there's like two you know like and we just met each other and it's been two years like how crazy is that and you know like a lot of there's this hobby dancers of course but we're both of us were like we had in common that we were both professionals and then so we started talking and we um she is uh, a generation older than I. Um, she's, you know, like, cl- I think close to her 60s right now. Um, but please, Jennifer, forgive me if I'm wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I don't want to assume because, like, you know, with agents, it's really hard to tell. And I feel rude about asking and stuff. But um, so we had coffee one day, uh, finally, and we started talking. And we, she, she had, I, I explained some of my life, you know, to her. As like I, I described some of the instances and some of the things that I had experienced as as a Chinese American, and she explained some. She shared experiences with me at growing up as a Korean American. And she grew up in the Midwest, um, and I grew up here in uh, New England and stuff. And we realized that just regardless of generation, we had so many similar experiences. So she had those experiences as a young girl, like growing up in the Midwest um, in like the 70s and the 80s. And they were so similar to like the things that I experienced in the 90s and the early 2000s. So people like coming up to us and being like, you know, do you speak Ching Chong or, you know, saying certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Being like you are being like, where are you from? You're not from here. Go back to where you can. Like all of these things, like. That's we crazy. had all experienced, yeah, yeah, and and this was a normal thing, like having that identity crisis again, that dual identity of being like, okay, well, I'm Asian, but I'm also American. Like, what right. what does that mean? Are they are they one or are they two? Like, are uh, how how Asian am I really if I grow up it, with all white people? Like, or you know, or how you know, like because I'm super Asian in terms of like when I'm around people who aren't but at the same time like if i went back to hong kong if i went if she went back to korea like people can tell that we're not from there so it was just like sharing these cultural identities and so that's when we started working together and really investigating um our personal stories about 
our experiences like in the past in the present and like just talking in general um and something that she had me do which was difficult um but at the same time very rewarding was that she had me write out um she she calls it an autoethnography but basically what that is is it's kind of like an autobiography so she had me write out like childhood like the most significant uh memories from my childhood and um and we made work about that so the currently the solo that i have that i'm performing at the end of the month which everyone should go to by the way (laughs) um but um it's about how the first five years of my life uh my parents um they got their start um basically by like we owned a chinese takeout restaurant in medford Wow, um, what was it called? Yeah, it was called China Peony. Um, I don't know if you. It was on Salem Street. The building is still there. It's still there. We. Listen, that's where I went to high school. I graduated from Medford High. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it near Salem Street? Um. Well, you you can get to Salem Street from there, but yeah, yeah. that's crazy. See, yeah, I, it's crazy. I knew, so I knew I liked you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember. Um. The first five years of my life was, it was just, you know, being a kid growing up in a restaurant, you know, yeah. running around and like having all these, like the, the food, like the smells of the food, like everything from like the physical and like the spiritual aspects of that experience, like really shaped the first five years of my life. And I had never, I had always known that that was like really significant for me, but mm-hmm. I had never really investigated and meditated upon that and how important that was. Um, so like, so she had me write that out and we, you know, she, we crafted a whole solo about it. And then originally it was her reading the text live while I danced. But then, um, it was funny, like a week ago, a week or two ago, we got some feedback from um, a couple of other female choreographers in the room and they were like, well, what if it was IJ's voice? You know, it's her oh, story. Wow. So why doesn't she read it? And I was just like, Oh my Smart God. idea. Yeah, smart idea, but also terrifying because, like, you know, I'm not used to, to, you know, hearing my own voice, like, much like talking or like hear my own voice, like, while I'm dancing. So I was like, okay, like, so she gave me her mic and I hooked it up to my laptop. And oh my God, like, it was hilarious. Like, it, this was only like two nights ago when I was trying to read this narrative, like, this thing that I had written by myself. But I kept messing up. I was like, it was, it was just like, oh my god, it was like I had to record it. It's tough to it, do like, stuff re-record. when you know. Yeah. You have to, man, listen. Yeah. Even for this podcast, there's sponsorships that I have to like um, utilize, mm-hmm. and you know, you cannot mess up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And exactly. when you do, you're like, dang, you have to start all over again. <laughs> yeah, you have to start all over again. You have to hit record, delete, and whatever. So, um, but yeah, like definitely, that's probably again like in terms of like the process and everything like that. Um, I know your, your earlier question from a couple minutes ago, um, that's another aspect that I enjoy too is right now. I'm really blessed to have her like Jennifer as an Asian American, uh, mentor. And we get to enjoy, like, she's, she's, she's my mentor, but she's also like my, my sister in, in, in dance and also in culture. And then like, you know, the other dancer in this piece, like Flora, she's Korean as well. So like we, we're sisters too, just by, based on the fact that we're, we're, you know, we're both Asian Americans and it's just like a miracle that we 
found each other and we also dance like right. it's so it's a really beautiful thing <laughs> and, and very I, empowering too i so. will say too i mean whenever you find uh people that you can work with or whatever and mm-hmm. they happen to, to share the same culture background or mm-hmm. similar cultural background i mean that's like the same thing as like when you have a person that's from antigua where my mom's from yeah and then you have absolutely. someone from from jamaica like mm-hmm. you, we don't we don't we don't we eat the same the same type of food but we don't make it the same yeah way. yeah and that's so important like like food like sharing those things like these little these, i think is is an is an honor to be able to like pass down to have like these like cultural these these rituals these things like passed down to me and i still can continue to enjoy those things mm-hmm. um in my generation and yeah and it's it's such a beautiful thing to be able to share that with other people where where like you know flora and jennifer like they're both korean and they they don't necessarily again it, it's like the same thing yeah we like all eat for example like we ha- all have like these like certain different versions of uh rice cakes that we make but mm-hmm. it's pretty much the same thing but like different seasoning Right. So, yeah. I I have the same uh same thing that happens with us when we um when we, you talk about Caribbean food like Trinidadian mm-hmm. and and uh and Jamaican they don't make the same food. They don't make mm-hmm, the same mm-hmm. their specialty is roti and uh doubles mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. those type of things. So it's a different cuisine. Um but they uh-huh. make but it's also curry. So Jamaicans uh-huh. make curry, they just don't make roti. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and yeah, yeah, yeah. are known for their curry chicken or their mm-hmm. um or their stew or you know fish and things of that way. Mm-hmm. Like Bayesian, same thing. They're known for their fish and their stew. Um mm-hmm. Jamaican, they're known for their patties, they're known for their jerk, they're known for their mm-hmm. um, stew, their you know, kingfish, uh snapper and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and then even like down to like so my aunts and them think I talk and I speak like a Jamaican. They don't think I speak like an Antiguan. They think I speak like a Jamaican, which is so weird to me. Yeah. Because I'm like, wait. Wait, hold on. I'm lo- I'm losing you a little bit. Um... Hello. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I can still hear you. Good. Okay, good. I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah. No, it was just breaking up a little bit, but now I can hear you. The um. You know, so, like, even down to, like, how it works with, you know, other people, like, in terms of, like, cultural, like, things like that mm-hmm. make a huge difference. Like, we may not speak the same, but I, I also want to know, like, with you, you know, when you, when you are, um, you're dancing or when you're preparing, what's your favorite place to be? So, I ask people what their, you know, is it the stage? Is it, you know, is it shows? Is it rehearsal? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite place to be? My favorite place to be. Is it on stage? Um, you know? I really actually like, I mean, I, I do like performing on a stage, but I like performing in um, non-traditional stages. So I like proscenium stages or traditional, like, you know, where the stage, like the dancers are very separate and everybody is kind of like watching you from a distance. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer everyone to be around, like, um basically no stage yeah no stage like exactly like pretty much like an open theater like an open like a circle basically Mm -hmm. I prefer that because I think that um dance is I think that when dance is put on an actual like a 
traditional proscenius or like that's a very european thing yeah you know? i agree like it's a very european style of, germany does uh, it a viewing lot. art yeah yeah exactly and so it's very european but but the problem with that is is that or one of the problems that it presents is that it makes dance very one-dimensional there's like a front and a back and a side Mm-hmm. And there's a stage left and a stage right, but there's no, no one sees the dance from if you were standing in the back and it's a totally different piece and you're going to miss like a lot of cool stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's why I think that, you know, I love performing at the same level at the, as the audience because one, um, not only do you get to see all different kinds of angles, like every person, because the circle has like infinite like points, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on when you're standing, you're going to get a totally different piece every single time. Mm-hmm. And then also it takes away that like elitist thing, like, oh, we're the performers. And it tangible. It makes it, it makes it. Yeah, it makes it, you know, exactly. Realistic. It makes it real. Yeah. Right. And you can see when you're dancing and stuff like um, when as a performer and an audience member, like you're up close and it's very intimate. And I love that because as an audience member, when I've been in performances, like the best performance that I see is like when I can see, feel, hear the energy of the performers. When yeah. I'm up close to them, I can see their faces. I can see like how they're, the it's not as intimidating. Breathing. Yeah. And the, the rhythm of their breathing is like so beautiful to me. And like just seeing them as humans. Um, Cause I think that like, Again, being on a stage from far away, you forget sometimes that they're just humans. Like, and that's dancing is like the most human thing that you can do. Yeah. But people forget that that's you know that that element or that quality is kind of taken away from when you have a lot of distance. Um, but yeah, like my pastor so just my talked about way. that. He was saying that if yeah. you can dance, that is something that is spiritually given. You know what yes. I mean? Um, if yes. you have the gift to dance, it's spiritually mm-hmm. given. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it was just the most profound thing for him to say. So it mm-hmm. kind of confirmed. I 100% agree with that. It, it's, Every day. It confirmed. Every day I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I feel, you know, convicted teaching a certain type of style. And then mm-hmm. and then I'm like, then why do I do it so well? Or why why mm-hmm. why do I love it when I do it? So yeah. You know, and, and and it's not even, it's not perverse or it's not, that's not where my mentality is, is not perverse. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm teaching it, I'm not teaching it in a perverse way. So, right. you know, I have to separate the emotion from the actual gift itself and have to know that, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is something that I was gifted and it's not something that I was, you know, that I'm doing selfishly. Like, I'm just going to do this yes. because. Yes, you know? yes. And that's the, that's the thing that people, I think, like, a lot of times people forget is that, like, when dance is at the most, like, the most beautiful forms of dance or the best performances, the be- like, it is when, dan- when, when the performers and the choreographers and everything, like, they do not lose their integrity, that it doesn't come from a place of ego. Right. It comes from a place of, like, genuine just love of movements and the, the believing in the message that you're giving and also the actual like it's such a, it's such a complicated thing like being able to understand how you know intricate like mm-hmm. the body is and how you can use different parts of your body to literally like speak words and people mm-hmm. understand you think that is crazy and people I don't think, think about that i think the yeah. beginning of the when we performed at the bca and mm-hmm. you guys were the intro, the interpretive pieces yeah. that you guys were doing. 
Um, mm -hmm. I feel like the dancers appreciated it and people that were, you know, in attendance were appreciative of the art because they're like, mm -hmm. hold up, this is another, you know, this is artwork. They re yeah. At that moment, you could honestly say, okay, this is art. Yeah. Because it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, you know, it makes you feel that was, like it's beautiful. Right. Know? And again, um, I, I remember that. Like, that performance was like, that part was my favorite. Because again, like, <laughs> we were integrated within the audience. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no, people came right up to us and were like, you know, what is this person doing? And they were watching us and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't, um, like, we were totally integrated graded that was an yeah. integrated experience and that's what again like that's the kind of experience that i thrive in and yeah. i think that is that what's what works best um, what's, so. what's been some of your struggles as a dancer um, has it been the money sometimes. has it been you know the artistry the stage um relationships yeah. location what's been some uh -huh. of your struggles i think that initially when i first started dancing and but when i came back home to boston um I wasn't really sure, like, if I was going to stay around. I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I'm moving to New York. Like, this place sucks. There's nothing <laughs> here. Oh, my God. Like, I remember I went to an audition. Like, this, it was like the, uh, this open call audition. And I literally was, like, looking around being like, some of these people have never danced in their lives. And they're here at this professional audition. What the heck? Um, so I was ready to leave. Um, but then, you know it's again like my my life has been full of surprises and full of blessings that i'm very grateful for these people and these opportunities just keep walking into my life well, and like girl you better take yeah. every moment yeah exactly um so that was one of them but but also but again that that's kind of been something that's um somehow through my mentors and through my experiences i've, I've actually become quite sorry that's the train um <laughs> I've become quite grounded here mm -hmm. and I can you know I appreciate that I can like carve my own path and still if I wanted to go to New York and train and take class for a weekend I can still do that right but right. this is home base and yes. like if I was if I was to just leave and if I was to just just leave this community my initial problem I wouldn't be helping or I wouldn't be like solving the initial problem that I saw, which, which yeah. was like, what I saw was like, okay, there's like maybe a lack of professionalism. There's, and there's not a lot of like cohesiveness, but if I just left, then I'd be part of the problem. Right. You know? So, so I'm are, trying you, to... are you thinking of an up and, are you an up and coming, um, like the things that were up and coming, are you, is that part of you teaching that? Because some people need that. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, you know, one of the things that, um, is really important to me, um, you know, first and foremost, obviously, like, was my performance career. But um, so back when I first started dancing, um, I wasn't aware of this. Um, but my family being, an, an, you know, an immigrant family, like, we didn't um, have a lot of money. Like, we were really, really poor, especially, like, living off of um, a restaurant, like a takeout restaurant, like a small, small takeout restaurant in Bedford. Like, we didn't make a lot of money. So my mom told me the story about how one time she, in order to pay for my dance lessons um, or me and my sister's dance lessons, she went around the house and like collected change yeah. to pay. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I did a lot of reflecting on that and I saw like, 
throughout high school and throughout college that the people that seem to be have the most advantage Mm -hmm. um, in terms of getting the best training opportunities, the people that were getting the most featured, they would go to these intensives. I was like, they all came from really, really wealthy families or people that were not only financially supportive, but also emotionally supportive. Yeah, emotionally supportive. That's a big thing, too. Right. And so and I was like, and I said, like, oh, well, I didn't come from that. And I'm somehow still here. And that's messed up that, like, you know, people who don't have access to money cannot, you know, why, why is dance? Why is quality dance education reserved for people who have money? No, it's effed up. And that, n- that now I have I have another question about your mom, because mm-hmm. I, I yes. feel like your mom and my mom have the same sort of survival um, <laughs> yes. mode. Yes, is, yes. Is, Absolutely. Was your mom the type of mom that like she would go out and in, she'll get all the same sort of things that, you know, are considered cool, but she would know where to shop to get that so that it doesn't over yeah, her pocket? Yes, yes. That's how everything, my mother was. Everything, you know, like despite the you know financial struggles and everything you know my sister and I like we always we always had food on the table we always had clothes yeah you know we we it was it might not have been like the latest fashion but everything we we were taken care of yeah we had a good upbringing you know and my mom and my parents like they worked like hell to provide that for us that's one thing that I could say about a a, like Caribbean and and Mm -hmm. and I I felt I feel like it's you know, your your mom, my mom's generation, mm-hmm. they they were taught to survive. Oh, yes, yes. And they were taught absolutely. to have dignity and sort of mm-hmm. carry this, themselves with, with dignity. And uh, even if they weren't able to afford the Chanel coat, they could get a coat mm-hmm. that looked like the Chanel coat. That looked like and that, still, right. And still, you know what I'm saying? And pre- be presented mm-hmm. in such a way. And I, I say all that to say it's really not about the materialistic thing. It's about how to survive and how to all right. at the same time in a, in a professional um, dance um, community or just in, in the dance community period, if you're trying to break out into to the professional side of it, you do need certain standards on that, you know, your resume, your, your reel, yeah, your you photos, need, you need, all those well, things. You, what, what, what we need is resilience yeah. and what we need is, is discipline and resilience. And, you know, and that's what my mother and like, that's what our mothers have taught us. That's, you know, we're, because they were, they were survivors and they passed that on us to do, like they passed that on to us too. So like why I, I feel like people are like, well, being a dancer is so hard. You make no money and you're tired all the time and you have like eight different jobs. Like, is it worth it? I'm like, yes, it is absolutely worth it. And to me, it's like, yeah, is it hard? But it's it's what we do. It's, it's I don't even question it, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, again, like, e- anything that comes my way, like, we're, either way, like, we have to keep carving those opportunities for ourselves and keep surviving at every step. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, definitely I owe a lot of that to my, that edge to my mother and to uh, my father as well. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I, I, I asked that question because because mm-hmm. I feel like at that moment, I'm like, I know her mom was a lot like how my mother was where. Oh, yeah. Just because, you know. Yeah. You know, when you have, like, my mother didn't, she doesn't own a restaurant or any of those things, but she worked mm-hmm. in the banking world all her life. Yeah. And, well, most mm-hmm. majority of her life, um, you know, she has been in the financial industry. And mm-hmm. um, it ain't, it doesn't, like, if you're not, like, an executive or, you know, a loan officer, well, I, I wouldn't even say loan officer. If you're not 
if you're not in an, an upper hierarchy of the, the the food chain of that industry, you are literally mm -hmm. scraping pennies together to survive. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, you're just, yeah, you under, you have to understand that you're also just like disposable and that's really scary yes. for an immigrant mother, you know, yep. with children and stuff. So, yeah. Now, um, one question I want to ask you, are you doing what you love? I am. Yeah. Without question. There's no hesitation in that. Um, so I think that, uh, again, like I've never, I never thought that my life would take shape this way. Mm -hmm. um, I expected, there's a period of my life where I definitely expected to just be a journalist at some local paper and then work my way up and just be a journalist essentially that may, and maybe take dance as a hobby as something that I always loved. But then there was a period of time and I think it was my senior year. I took a senior seminar class. And uh, I had a conversation with another prof professional dancer over the phone. And he was like, if you're going to be a professional dancer, now is the time to do it. It is. You're young. It is. You're versatile. Your body is ripe for that kind of movement. Do it now or you will not get the opportunity to or It's going to be very hard in the end. And he was like, you have to consider that you wake up every day and want to become a journalist. Does that give you that much joy? And I said, no, right. It doesn't. It gives me some joy, maybe like 75% of the time. But I noticed that every, yeah. But every single time I stepped into the studio or was on stage, I was there. You know, I was on time to rehearsal. I was ready, 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 ready. So well, but that's when I knew. Can you, you do know? both? Is it a possibility that we can have you as a dance journalist? Yeah. I mean, it is definitely possible. I mean, again, I've used my journalism degree, um, a lot to so in part of journalism um the school that i went to like i trained in graphic design and so that's why i had that in my pocket and so um, I, like, I know that's right yeah so so when you know people started asking me like oh i need a graphic designer i was like well i, I know a little bit of that stuff you know and mm -hmm. so then that's when i really started making money or like as a side hustle as that um yeah and then in terms of writing like i'm always open to the idea of like helping people write press releases or edit things and stuff like that. So definitely that, that, that is still a part of my life in a very like kind of, but, but again, it relates back to dance. Well, Does then that this, make sense? this like, means that you yeah. and I have to band up and link up on a workshop yeah. that helps these dancers yeah. prepare mm -hmm. using mm -hmm. all those Absolutely. elements. Let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's you so know, important. I have, I have, I'm off air. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to have to link up. Well, I know you, you're about to go into your rehearsal, but off mm -hmm. air, I'm going to have, I'm going to talk to you about a project that I was working on last year that I yes, had to put on absolutely. hold. So where can, where, what's up and coming for you? Um, what's up and coming for me? So, um, the biggest thing right now is I'm preparing for a show, um, on March 30th at 8, 8 PM at the Boston University Dance Theater. Um, so that's on Commonwealth Avenue. Okay. And it's a show called that. Uh, it's a show called That's What She Said. And uh, my good friend, Kristen Wagner, um, she's one of my closest friends. She has she organized this uh, show, um, this amazing choreographic show and process um, last year. We put it up last year at the dance complex uh -huh. and it's highlighting uh, specifically femme identifying um, artists in the Boston area. But this year we have um, a couple people from um, around the area and in New York, too. So. It's going up one night only, um, and oh that is goodness. the yeah. So um, if you can come through, absolutely, um, I'll I'll promote it. Send yeah, me all the credentials, so, and I'll and I'll promote absolutely. it. Absolutely. 
Right. And so the, the piece that I was mentioning before with um, Jennifer Lynn, um, the piece that I'm performing right or, or that I, we're in process of, it's done, but it's a three part piece. Um, and it is all centered around the intricacy and the depth of the Asian American narrative. Um, so there's three parts. There's my solo. Um, and then there's a duet between me and uh, my friend, Flora Kim. And then there's um, a traditional um, Korean scarf dance performed by Flora and some video in between too. So it's, it's just, it's this crazy, oh my gosh, it's all together. Like just, it'll take you into a different world. Um, it's very personal to me. Um, it's very, this is one of the first times that, you know, I've really put my story, my personal story out in this way. So I'm nervous and excited and grateful and humbled at the same time. So I'm, I'm really excited. I hope a lot of people come. <laughs> so, so that's on March 30th? Yes, it's a Saturday. Okay, okay so I, yeah, so I got to make sure I get all the info so I can attend. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll DM you. I'll, I'll text you everything. Yeah. So. What's your, um, what's your social, where, where can people find you? What's your social networks that you want people to check out? Yeah. So, so my Instagram name is, is all one word. It's kind of weird, but goofy, but so it's at, um, tiny Asian canoe because, <laughs> because, okay, people, and, and I know the next question is, what does that mean? Well, it's because I'm tiny, I'm Asian and I actually do own a, Canoe. You know, I own a canoe. I own a 15 foot <laughs> canoe. Like I, I, my family has one. So I was like, why not? You know, right? I love um, it. I love it. <laughs> so you can find me on that and follow me and, you know, I'll follow you back. Absolutely. <laughs> so. I'm already following her because, you know, I, I got to check in with her and make sure I'm, mm -hmm. I'm checking her out and supporting what she's doing. Um, what's your message as we cut as we as we sign off? What's your message you want to leave with everyone? Um, I want to say that throughout the process, throughout the choreographic process or whatever artistic process you're in, to always keep your integrity at the forefront um, of your process. That's dope. So, yeah, keep, keep yourself grounded. Make sure it's still authentically you because nobody else is going to tell your story better than you. And you can have other people help you tell those stories and give you mechanisms and materials to do that, but make sure that the, the message and also the, um, the product is truly, truly you, because that ultimately is like the best way that we can move forward as dancers, make yeah, work mm -hmm. that's important to you, make work that is relatable to you, make work that is about you, <laughs> you I know, that. I um, feel that. make work that you make work about the, the things that you know best because they're important. Yeah, they're absolutely important. And especially it's part of your my, legacy. My, yeah, it's, it's part of your legacy. And especially I'm talking to everyone, but I'm really, really trying to highlight like my my brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. like my people of color, other people of color. Yeah, because like our voices are often, you know, shadowed by yep. bureaucracy and a lot of BS. Yep. And it's time for us to step up. I agree. It's time for us oh, to step man. up. Yes, ma'am. No. Yes, IJ. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Um, mm -hmm. It's been such a pleasure. I can't wait oh. to do another show with you. Um, yeah. Please tell the ladies of Cairo I said hello. And okay, I'm sure absolutely. you'll see you'll, you'll see McCurskin before I see him. 
I haven't yes. had any cla- any uh, performances or classes to teach with them um, in a in a in a while, mm-hmm. but I, mm-hmm. I definitely um, look out for him and I miss him, man. But um, yeah. it's been an awesome pleasure hearing your story, talking with you. I can't wait for everybody to check your show out on March 30th at BU. That's what she said. Okay, mm-hmm. um, check All out right. check out IJ on Instagram at Tiny Asian Tiny Asian Canoe. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure. You have an awesome day. Yes, you too. And uh, peace out, y'all. Hello. Yeah. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you, Chanel. You got it. (laughs) Bye. Man, you the Snapchat. Can't ball in a life, man. Go on with it. Go on with it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we are coming with a force. Yeah. Blessings we are reap and we course in handful. Oh, in a rise and boast. Yeah, we give thanks like we need it the most. We have to give thanks like we really supposed to be thankful. Blessings all for my life and my thank God for the journey, the earnings, not just for the plus. Yeah, yeah. Gratitude is a must. Yeah, we see blessings fall by my right hand. What's that was for the friends that take off? Miss 5678 Dances Report Podcast. Miss 5678 Dances Report Podcast.